0: Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm your host, Robin, and I'm here with Dawn, Katie, and Lindy. And at Storytellers Live, our prayer is that you would meet God in a new way through these stories, that you would know that you're not alone, and that walls would be broken down and community would be built. This week, we have Katie from Memphis, and she's actually a part of the Memphis team. And I think I can honestly say that I have never
1: related to a story more than I do this one. (laughs) I think all four of us can agree to that because I think we can all agree as women, we tend to be the peacemakers. We want to make sure that everybody's happy. And sometimes we sacrifice our needs and we sacrifice our voice as a result. And so Katie talks to us about how she lost her voice and how she, in her words, became a victim of her own making, (laughs) But God brought her um, to a place of freedom in the end um, through community and then confidence in Christ. I think that everybody's going to get a lot from this one. Yes, we know that y'all are going to
0: love it. And here is Katie.
2: Hi, I am Katie Harris. I'm from Memphis and I'm married to Stuart. We have three kids, ages 12, nine, and six. Okay, I just want to add that as y'all listen to this story, I want you to know that my husband was the very first person who encouraged me to share this story. So he knows everything I'm about to say. And if there's something along the way that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she just said that, just know that he's aware and he's in full support. I grew up here in Memphis, lived here most of my life. Uh, I was the oldest of three kids. Uh, My parents were both believers and raised us in the church. I became a believer uh, through middle school youth group, just came to me on a youth retreat that I couldn't just ride on my parents' coattails into heaven, that I had to have my own relationship with the Lord. So I asked him into my heart then. I went to a small girls' school, kindergarten through 12, with a lot of all the same people. Um, So I was really ready to go off to a big state school for college. Auburn is where I went and it was a great time for me. Spiritually, it was a great time for me. I felt like I grew a lot in my faith. really had some awesome friends who encouraged me in that way. And I really, I think I wanted to meet my husband at Auburn, but that did not happen. (laughs) Um, So uh, Memphis is the only place I got a job. So I was like, all right, I guess this is where the Lord wants me to go. So I moved back home, did not live at home, but moved back to Memphis right after I graduated from Auburn and met Stuart not long after that, that summer. So I met Stuart right after college. And I remember being in Memphis. I was from here, but like, didn't have a lot of high school friends that lived here and, you know, started going to a new church, but I kept hearing this name all the time, Stuart Harris, Stuart Harris. And I was like, I am from this town. Like, I feel like I know plenty of people, but I've never met this person who is Stuart Harris. Like I heard his name from all these people. And so the first time that I met him in Sunday school, it just stuck out to me because I thought, Oh here's this person I've been hearing so much about, and I know his sister. (laughs) So that was a fun connection, but we, it wasn't like love at first sight. (laughs) We kind of got to know each other a little bit through friends at church. And then unbeknownst to me, a mutual friend of ours was encouraging him to ask me out. Anyway, I remember meeting him and thinking just how fun he was. Clearly everybody talked about him because he was so fun and outgoing He knew lots of people. He was always coming up with fun things for, you know, groups of people to do or, you know, something fun for the Sunday school class to do. Like we would drive, uh, he'd get the church bus and we'd drive down to dead Elvis week and, you know, to the candlelight vigil. And he wore like an Elvis wig, you know, I mean, so he was really fun. (laughs) And I thought, oh, this guy's so nice to everyone. I didn't necessarily think he was interested in me, but anyway, he did ask me out. And we dated for about a year before we were engaged. And then um, we're engaged six months. And then nine months into marriage, um, we found out we were pregnant with our first child. So we pretty quickly jumped on this whole family thing. And I think at that point, I really started to put my relationship with the Lord kind of on the back burner. I think I put, you know, Stuart on there, our first child on there. And then as we ended up having more children, I just really poured onto that. And I mean, we were still very active in church. Um, on the outside, we were really happy. We had a full social calendar. We were involved in you know, ministry and um, served in different capacities. Um, but I didn't feel like I had tons of close friends. I was, I was lonely. I think also because I was putting everything into my relationship with my husband and my kids, I was lonely because those didn't meet the needs that I had, but I didn't realize that yet. So I had this notion I think as a wife that I should never disappoint my husband. And it even seemed like that was sort of like a Christian notion, like that as wives we should fully support our husbands, you know, be their number one cheerleader (laughs) or whatever it is. So anyway, I think that's just more of how I poured into that relationship and wanted Stuart to feel 100% supported. Um, and positive, and so when it came to things like, "Hey, what are we going to do this weekend?" I thought we'd do X, Y, and Z. If you know, Stuart would say that, and I would say, "Sure," because again, I'm just trying to be supportive. And honestly, I don't think I ever really even thought about what I wanted to do on the weekend per se. And then I'd get to be Sunday night, and I'd lay in the bed going, "I really needed to do X, Y, or Z," and I didn't get that done. And I would feel like a victim, but I think I was a victim of my own making. I'll get into that. So anyway, I think I did all of this, you know, okaying things and saying yes to things because I needed Stuart's approval. Um, and I needed the approval of everyone around me to feel good about myself. So again, I made no time for myself. That seemed like selfish to me. I think I had friends who might, you know, go get a massage or get their nails done. And I thought that seems a little bit frivolous. <laughs> I don't think I needed to do that for myself. But uh, even like, taking a shower every day kind of fell by the wayside. (laughs) I did that occasionally. So yeah, I was just continually focused on how my ties with my husband and my kids and their approval of me affected them that I wasn't really focused on how it affected me. I was lonely. I was lonely for a connection with others, but I was also lonely for a connection with myself, which I did not realize. I think I knew on some level that I was sad. You know, we were busy, but I could feel this underneath the surface sadness, um, but I wouldn't let myself think about it for very long. I also would numb myself with hours of TV at night. That has been my coping mechanism for, I don't know how long like, I can think back to high school, you know, coming home from school and just watching, say by the bell for hours because I just needed to decompress from the day. But looking back and now knowing myself better, I realized it's not the healthiest way to What I thought was self-care was not self-care. So I also know that I was lonely for God in that time, but I didn't think I realized that I could be lonely for God. Um, Bible study had become more of an obligation. You know, it's one of those checklist things like this is what you do when you're a Christian. And I think I was learning a lot during that time. It was all head knowledge, but it wasn't trickling down into my heart I also really enjoyed being able to take my kids to Bible study and letting them go to the children's program. Maybe that was some form of self-care, but it was really everything I could do to keep everyone fed and clothed and safe. Um, I think I compared myself to a lot of people around me and felt like I was not measuring up. You know, people are doing all these great crafts or doing all this thing, you know, whatever with their kids. And my kids have needed haircuts for weeks or, you know, whatever it is. So I think there were a lot of shoulds going on in my mind. And that was just weighing me down. And I also can't forget that all this time I'm comparing myself to Stuart. All the things that attracted me to him at the beginning, the fun and outgoing. I mean, he is a doer. He gets stuff done and he can get a hundred things more, do- more done in a day than I can. <laughs> So I felt a lot of shame that I could not keep up with him. He also didn't seem to be worried about, you know, what other people thought like I did. I don't think he was comparing himself as much to others. So after our third child was born, I remember going into like my six week checkup with my OBGYN and she noticed that I wasn't my usual self. She said I wasn't, you know, as upbeat as I usually was. And she asked me, you know, how are you doing? And I had had friends you know, a few friends that maybe had struggled with postpartum depression, but I really didn't think that was going on or I didn't want to think it was, but the fact that she noticed it, you know, someone who I see, you know, saw semi regularly, but wasn't like a close confidant made an impression on me that maybe there was something going on. Um, But again, I didn't let myself think about it for very long. (laughs) So let's see about two years later, we've got three kids in our house we're kind of busting at the seams but we like it. I mean, I think family members were asking are you going to stay in this house? I remember my mom calling asking if we were going to, you know, stay in this house. I think at the time I didn't know it but she wanted to buy me one of those return address stamp things for Christmas. <laughs> and so I was like, "Yes, mom, we have decided. We like the closeness of our house. We are going to be here for the long haul." But Stuart, who, you know, has lots of hobbies and interests and wonderful things that he does, has a real estate license and helps probably, you know, five families a year buy a house. And so a friend of ours, there was a house around the corner from us that a friend of ours wanted to see. And so he made an appointment for them to go look at it. And they pretty quickly decided this house is not for us. But Stuart kept trying to talk them into it. He's like, I mean, don't you see the potential here? You know? And they were like, no, really. This is this layout's not gonna work for us. No, thank you. So he immediately called me and said, Katie, you've got to come see this house. So of course, not long later, I was there touring the house. And I mean, I could see all the potential too in this house. And um, we laugh, but I say that I could picture our oldest, our daughter coming down the stairs in her prom dress one day.
3: Uh, so
2: Anyway, it felt ironic, but I really felt like I could see us here. So as we were leaving the showing, another young couple was coming in to look at it. So of course that immediately lit a fire under us to go home and like start crunching numbers. Like, what can we do? And, you know, we had just been in this place of we love our house, you know, the current house we lived in. So we're going to be here for a while. So I just reminded us that we don't have to be in this other house, you know, let's just throw out an offer and see where things go. So two days later we found out that, we got the house (laughs) and it was Christmas time. We had just put a deposit down to get a puppy for our kids for Christmas. Um, and I just thought, Oh my gosh, I cannot handle a new puppy and a new house and packing up to move and all that. But I also, I mean, I remember we went around and around about this puppy thing, Stuart and I, and he was like, I mean, we can do it all. (laughs) that's so him. But I remember thinking in my head, Oh my gosh, I cannot do all of this. But I just couldn't say it out loud. Again, I didn't want to be a wet blanket. I wanted to be fun. I think that was a tape that played in my head all the time was fun wives say yes, you know, fun wives don't say no. Um, So anyway, we did it all. So this is where looking back, I feel like it reminds me of the story of Jesus telling the disciples to get in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. We didn't know what was going to be waiting for us on the other side of this lake, but I didn't mention this, but we did pray, you know, when we threw in this offer on this new house, we prayed, Lord, we want to be where you want us to be, and we're really okay with any outcome in this situation. So we just give this to you. So it was clear, you know, this is where he wanted us to go. Um, But in the story with the disciples, you know, they get into the lake, and the big storm comes up, and they're terrified. But Jesus had asked them to do this. Like, it wasn't a surprise to him that there was going to be a storm, but he wanted to use that to increase their faith. So after the holidays, of course, the Lord brought us a great buyer for our house and they weren't going to be moving to town for months. And I thought this is such an awesome opportunity for me to purge our current house, you know, organize, pack boxes. We're going to paint the new house, but Stuart had a different plan. (laughs) I remember distinctly him saying, Katie, time kills deals and I really don't want this to fall through. So he managed to work it out to where we closed on our you know, current home much earlier than we needed to and ended up moving into our new house while the painting was still going on. The plumbers were still here. The, the new house had a boiler. <laughs> I remember we had boiler mechanics like coming in underneath our house, banging on pipes. Like <laughs> It was definitely not dull. And so... I just kept asking him, why do we have to do this so quickly? Why do we have to move so quickly? But he was just, you know, pushing forward. And so with all this chaos going on in our home, I like comfort a lot. I like things to be in their certain place. And here we are with boxes, strangers in and out. I mean, I can't even get up and get dressed and have, you know, a cup of tea before somebody's knocking on the front door, which sounds sort of lame. I'm having shame about that now as so I'm just saying <laughs> it. But- Anyway, that really threw me for a loop. Um, And then having the puppy and the kids and all that on top of it just sent me into a tailspin. So as we're getting settled in our new house, Stuart and I start really arguing in the evenings once everybody's in bed. I'm thankful that our kids were young because thankfully they didn't hear any of that. (laughs) But we were, I mean, shouting at each other. And I think for him, it was like, where is this coming from? And honestly, I don't know. I didn't know where all the anger was coming from inside of me. He was more reacting to what was coming out of me. But I really saw him as the culprit for all of this unrest in my life. And I couldn't, I couldn't contain it. And I didn't know what to do with it. And so I was just lashing out. I remember one day sitting in the dining room, not like next to each other on the dining room table, but like catty-cornered real far away (laughs) from each other. We just happened to be in this room. I think we were unpacking more boxes. And we just sat down and I just, we both cried. I knew things were awful between us and he felt it too. And neither of us really knew how we were going to get out of this spot. And I remember looking at him just with tears streaming down my face and being so afraid to say it, but just saying, you know, I don't, I don't want this, but I am really starting to understand how people get divorced. Like the tension in our lives is unbearable. And he nodded, he totally agreed. He was feeling it the same way. And um, we didn't come to any kind of conclusion in that conversation, but I think just putting it out there was helpful. And we both were committed to seeing things through. So as the boxes began to disappear and the painters began to finish up and head on out, the raging storm in our house started to quiet some, but inside of me was still unrestful. I had a feeling like something was missing in me and I just couldn't put my finger on it. Over the years, Stuart and I had seen a marriage counselor together and it was usually you know after each one of our babies was born. There was some unrest, sort of similar to this move, but not not nearly the same. And so we would go to see this counselor and try to figure out, okay, how are we gonna find our new normal now that we've added this extra person to our family? And after I remember thinking back to after our visit, after our third child was born, you know, thinking, gosh, he was really asking me some questions. It made me feel like he was, you know, looking for something deeper. (laughs) And I really started to wonder. About myself. Like, do I have low self-esteem or what is it that I'm struggling with? And so this, this question kind of started to nag at me after this move, how could I, you know, it was all well and good for the two of us to go to a counselor together. I felt like that was very well worth it, worth the money and the time and the effort, but I didn't ever feel like that was something that I could ask for for myself. It seemed like one of those extra frivolous things And how could I justify the cost? I just felt like I had too many people to take care of, to take time out to go do that. And then how could I tell Stuart that I felt like I was deficient? I was thinking about this and read one of Paul David Tripp's devotions, um, where it says, if you silence your cries, crying only to yourself, you will feel increasingly alone and without anyone who cares and understands, and you'll feel more and more helpless. And I think that's exactly where I was. I knew there was this inner stuff going on, but I didn't know how to talk about it. So thankfully, the Lord was about to throw me a bone, throw me a life preserver. So I think later that spring, I think this is spring of 2016, I was at a random baby shower for a friend and talked to two people I didn't even know that well. But they knew each other and they were talking about this thing called a heart group. And I was just listening intently. They talked about how a heart group... Was something, it was a group of people who met together, ideally weekly, who would share what was going on in their lives. And it wasn't just the details of what's going on, like my kids are doing this, or what sports are y'all doing, or, you know, it was the feelings of what was going on in their hearts. And I thought, wow, that sounds awesome. I think I need that in my life. So I began to pray for people who would be interested in being in a heart group with me. And I think this was the first time that I'd ever prayed for an emotional need. That, that the Lord would meet me there in an emotional need, and of course, he was delighted to meet me there in that emotional need, so as luck would have it, <laughs> I was at a talk at my church, and about women building strong friendships, and ran into two acquaintances that I kind of knew, who are Margaret Thompson and Kelly Dallas, who are on the storytellers team with me, and just kind of threw it out there to them, like, have you heard of this concept, like, would y'all be interested, and it was crazy they'd both heard of it. Heart groups are also based on a book called "Voice of the Heart," um, which talks about eight feelings. Yeah, I know there's lots of feelings out there, but they just focus on these eight feelings, and they, I think, both read the book at the time. So they also knew a counselor who was trained in this and who could help us get started. So we had four meetings with our counselor and you know, the, the three of us, and kind of learned the basics of heart group. I'm trying to think about all of the basics, but, um, there's kind of a structure to it. Like we sit down and kind of check in with our feelings. We have a list of the eight feelings and i probably won't be able to remember them all, but it's like anger, sadness, hurt, shame, guilt, loneliness, glad. I think I'm missing one, but that gives you an idea. So we'll have a list out and we'll kind of check in and just list, okay, these are what feelings I'm feeling right now, or I've felt recently, and then kind of, we each have time to share. Um, But again, not, we're trying not to share a lot of the details of what is going on, but the feelings and what does that mean? Because kind of what we've learned through this process is that feelings are signals of needs that you have. And thinking back over all the years of my whole life, really, but especially being busy with you know marriage and kids i was not paying any attention to my feelings i was paying attention to everybody else's feelings but i had no idea what my feelings were or what my needs were and i can think back to evenings where i would be <laughs> you know up late at night because i'm a night owl and stuart would be sound asleep and just be thinking gosh i wish he just magically knew what i wanted you know or like i wish he could meet me where i am but then I would think, but well, I don't really even know what I would tell him if I could. So anyway, this is really helpful. And I love one of the sayings that comes from the Voice of the Heart book. And it says it, that we're pursuing who you were made to be so that you can do what you were made to do. Um, it's called recovery of heart. And so anyway, I just was loving it, this was like a whole new language to me and it was hard to implement, but loving learning about it. Um, And I know there's lots of other great books out there. It doesn't have to be this one, but this is the one that the Lord put in my lap. So anyway, the feelings and the heart group were transforming me, but it definitely takes time. It's not an overnight process and I'm still learning a lot. But as I was starting to communicate better, Stuart was starting to notice these things and I wasn't flying off the handle like I had been before, which was great for everyone. (laughs) but there would be more tests along the way. So after we'd been in our house about a year, this is the funniest example, but I mean, it just is so concrete for me. Um, we had saved up some money to buy a rug for our living room. And so Stuart called me one Saturday. I think I was running errands with one of our kids and he had the other two. And he was like, let's meet up at the rug store. And of course he beat me there. And by the time I got there, he looked at every single rug in the store that was the right size for our room. And he had picked out his top three and he was like, but I want you to look through them all, you know, so we flipped through all the rugs and I agreed that his top three were the best. And so then next thing that we know, the rugs are coming to our house and we're looking at them in the room and the winter was clear you know and he he asked me are you sure like do you really like this I was like yeah it looks great this is awesome so we paid for the rug and the others went back to the store and I remember the next morning getting everybody to school and I was so excited to come back inside and admire our new rug (laughs) and I walked past the living room and just absolutely burst into tears which was such a surprise I was like what is wrong but I really don't like this rug (laughs) This was not what I had in mind. It was really colorful and I wanted something really neutral and kind of quiet in tone. And I just walked back to our bedroom, just sobbing the whole time. I mean, really hard, not just, not just a soft cry, but like a shoulder shaking (laughs) cry. And I remember walking through the doorway of our room when it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh my gosh, Stuart asked me numerous times through this process if I liked this drug, if I wanted it, if this was what I was thinking. And I said, yes, every time. And so that's when it really hit me that I was not a victim of his big personality and all of his great ideas, but that I was not using my voice. So that's when I really started to think, okay, I have a problem. <laughs> I need to find my voice and I think I need help to do it. I don't think this problem is going to get better on its own. And so that night I was able to talk to him. Like I had this aha moment, but I really think this means I need to go see a counselor. And he was like, awesome. I think you should do that. And so here's this conversation that I thought was going to be so hard to have, or at least it was really hard for me to have, but was met with such support, um, which was really encouraging. So I had A relationship with the counselor who'd helped us start our heart group. So I just sent her a quick email and I had my first appointment. And at my first appointment, she helped me see that I felt responsible for Stuart's feelings. I really started to see over time how I felt responsible for a lot of other people's feelings. And other people's feelings are not my responsibility. So I had been carrying all this around and putting it all above my own needs or feelings. And not realizing like what damage that was doing. So anyway, and really learning that I'm human and that's not my job to carry around other people's feelings. That's God's job. He's the only one that can do that. So as I continued counseling and heart group and trying to untangle this mess that I'd created in my life by completely ignoring myself and taking on things that weren't mine, um, it was hard. I remember having, you know, times where I just Right, I was starting to feel my feelings really intensely. And just, I mean, like the rug story, but even I remember taking one of my kids to get a haircut. And I mean, it was not what I'd asked for. (laughs) We'd left the hair place and I was just in absolute hysterical tears. (laughs) So anyway, there were times where the feelings were uncomfortable, but I wasn't doing it alone because I had my heart group and I had my counselor and I had Stuart and I could talk to them about these things. Um, So my loneliness was really starting to subside and it felt really good to get to know myself and to work with that, work in community with that. Then that following summer, someone introduced me to the Enneagram, which was also an amazing tool for me because again, y'all are hearing how much I did not know myself. And so the Enneagram was awesome to help me learn about myself. The minute I read the word sloth, I knew that I was a nine (laughs) I think that's part of what attracted me to Stuart so much because he is like the opposite of sloth, you know, (laughs) but I love to just curl up on the couch. You know, momentum is a really hard thing for me. If I'm sitting still, I could be sitting still for a really long time. So anyway, that only was Enneagram helpful for me to figure out some of my weaknesses, but it also helped me learn what my strengths were and to appreciate them. And to quit comparing myself to my husband, who I felt like was so good at everything, but that, oh, God has gifted me with some things too, that are unique to me. So, all right. So as I began to kind of settle into who God made me to be and how he made me emotionally, I was so much more at ease. And I realized that that explosion that had come out of me after our move was a desire to have a voice. I was clumsily using my voice and it still isn't pretty at times, but Stuart was telling me how attractive that my growing confidence was to him. And that was really encouraging. I also was not letting my kids boss me around as much, you know, at at this point are getting older. They're wanting to have friends over, you know, wanting to sign up for things, you know, but I just knew we can't do everything. We can't have a friend over every day, which we don't, but I used to, you know, maybe we'd be taking a friend home from soccer practice and in the car they'd say, mom, can someone come over and play, you know? And in myself, it was like this internal struggle of, I mean, if I say no, they're going to think I'm so mean and boring and the friend is going to think I'm mean and boring. <laughs> it was just this, so hard for me to say, no, I don't think we should do this. Um, And so after I started doing all this, learning about myself, and what are our needs? What are my needs? What are their needs? You know, it just really helped me be able to say, no, we can't do that today. You know, let's look at the calendar, we can do that another time. But it really took that whole internal struggle of what's everybody going to think about me if I say no, out of the equation, which has been hugely helpful. Now, it doesn't, It still comes at times, but anyway, I I need constant reminders of how I'm a up in this scenario, but (laughs) I'm doing better and I'm really thankful. So I'm, I'm in community dealing with learning about my feelings and I'm getting more in touch with myself, but I still was lonely for God. And so I think just a little over a year ago, I, I started to feel that discomfort. Our youngest was getting ready to go to school all day, every day. And I knew some other friends who said they just really went through a sad period when their last one went off to school. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be proactive. I'm not going to have that happen to me. I'm going to get a part-time job. And I started substituting at one of our kids' schools, which was really fun, but it wasn't, you know, meeting that need that I thought I had. And I remember discussing it with my counselor and she said, you know, Katie, I totally understand why you wanted to do that, but... If you can put that on hold for a little bit, I would love for you to kind of sit and let the Lord fill you up, sit in that discomfort and just see what the Lord has for you, which felt scary. It felt like standing at the edge of a cliff and like, okay, what's going to happen next? But I'm really thankful that she gave me that advice and that I listened um, and that it was a possibility. So I had a lot of time at home at that point and, um, would really feel this discomfort. And I would feel, feel the Lord saying, spend time with me. I'm here. And I would feel it when I was at church and when we would read through our prayer of confession, you know, anytime pride was mentioned in there, I just felt this tugging at my heart. Like, Oh, I think that's me, which is so ironic because here I was saying I had low (laughs) self-esteem, but I really wanted to hold on to what I perceived as the control of my day to day. You know, those little comforts like sitting on the couch or whatever it might be like, let me just zone out. Don't make me, you know, be purposeful with my time. I think that's a lot of where that pride was coming from. And so I knew I needed to spend time with the Lord in prayer, but it was just so hard to get there. And I think I had a lot of shame about the fact that I, loved wasting time. (laughs) I just loved doing nothing. And I didn't want to let go of that. And so, you know, I'd sit and just be like, okay, I'm going to pray, but nothing, nothing would come. And so I ended up turning on praise music in the house. I was like, okay, well, if I can get there, maybe this, you know, this will be good for me. And gosh, it was like the floodgates opened. Something about that music just broke down those barriers in my heart. And I remember specifically listening to Lauren Daigle one day in in my bathroom after I'd gotten out of the shower. And I mean, that's a song I'd heard a lot on the radio, but I had never really, really listened to the words. So I'm going to read them to y'all real quick. I keep fighting voices in my head that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low remind me once again, just who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. And I just broke down into tears and felt so known and loved by the Lord that he was speaking to me in this moment saying, I see you and I love you and you are my child. And it's not about what you can bring to me. I think, I, th- I think that's what really was that barrier between me and the Lord leading up to this point was that I was nervous to go to him because I knew I didn't measure up and I thought that I might feel more shame and judgment coming from him. But that is the exact opposite of what I felt in that moment. And so music became a very regular part of my days while I was home by myself, (laughs) you know, in the car or wherever it might be. I mean, I couldn't get enough of praise music. And so I ended up, this is something I had kind of thought about over the years, but was never bold enough to do. Um, But I was in a situation where our, our worship pastor, I was talking to him one day and I just kind of blurted out like, Hey, do you have to be a really good singer to be in the choir? And he was like, no, we want everyone in the choir. And honestly, I'd asked other people that question before. And they had said, yeah, you have to be a really good singer. (laughs) So this is the first time someone had said, yeah, just come. We want you as you are. And so, I mean, I don't think I'd even told Stuart that I was thinking about being in the choir. And he heard me ask that question and kind of looked at me like, huh? Um, So he was like, just come on Wednesday night to rehearsal. So, I mean, I did not usually ask. I find lots of reasons not to do things, but I just didn't think very hard about this one. And I went to choir rehearsal the next Wednesday night and, you know, everyone was super welcoming to me and getting me, you know, a robe and a binder. And these are all things I really hadn't thought about. (laughs) And um, one guy who's like kind of the organizer of the choir was like, all right, so on Sunday morning you need to be here at seven 30. And I was like, whoa, I especially did not think this through because I am not a morning person. Like we don't even go to the early church service. <laughs> and now I gotta be here before that early church service starts. But again, something in me, I just didn't think too hard about it. And I came home and told Stuart that night, I gotta be at church at 7:30 in the morning. And He's like, Woo, okay, I can't wait to see this happen. <laughs> but I think the Lord just helps me every Sunday morning get out of bed. And with each choir rehearsal and each Sunday morning. I just felt closer and closer to the Lord. Getting to just meditate on those lyrics of those songs and having them seep into my heart just was so meaningful to me. See, there's a quote in one of our church bulletins one Sunday that I thought really summed this up so well for me. And it said, worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attune to the presence of God. And that is just exactly what was happening to me through choir looking back over all of this psalm 40 verses 2 and 3 gave me a picture of kind of all the all the things that the lord had done for me over the last four years and here's what it says he lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and the mire and he set my feet on a rock he gave me a firm place to stand he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our god and that was just such a visual picture for me, um, lifting my lonely, pitiful, helpless self out of that miry muck and setting me on the rock, his rock, which is so firm and not mine, like nothing that I could bring to the table. So anyway, I've just been super thankful to the Lord for how he's brought me through this process. It is such, I mean, none of these things are, earth shattering, you know? <laughs> We moved and we bought a rug, (laughs) but that just was an awesome catalyst for me to have to really face kind of the unhealth in my life and who God made me to be and what he, how he can meet me there, that he brings everything to the table and that it's not me.
1: Thanks for listening. Well, there were so many nuggets of truth that we found in this one, but I just want to go ahead and say, you know, we titled this one Finding Her Voice because that's really what it was about. But I I was thinking we could have named it we moved and bought a rug because (laughs) because that's where it all started from. I mean, you know, we all have that rug story that it's like it's Lindy. I mean we're like, it's not about the rug about the rug.
2: But we just never want to disappoint our husband. No,
1: no. And other people. (laughs) I mean, she even talked
2: about what is everyone gonna think of me if I say no. How Yes, us even, about
1: all that. I like even the kids' story. The like kids, when she was, yes. I've got to learn how to say no to my kids. Yes,
3: <laughs> we don't want to disappoint our kids. Heaven forbid. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, but <laughs> the story heaven like, forbid we sit for a second,
3: you right. know. Like, her dog is on to sit. She didn't even
1: want to disappoint the friends that wanted to come over. You know, when the kids were asking for the friends to come over, she was like, I didn't want to say no, they're not going to like me either.
2: But I could see myself. It's like, when you, when you do go along with everyone and you don't have your voice and then she talks about having that victim mentality, you kind of go Uh sulk and like, well, poor, poor, pitiful me, you know, nobody's listening to me, but you don't even share your own voice. Yeah. I, I so related
0: I so related from the minute we talked about her story before she ever shared. I was like, well, this is the story of my life. <laughs> You're married <laughs> to my husband and this is the story of my life. I didn't know that I had feelings. I didn't know that I had things for a very long time. Um, and so we were able to really laugh and relate. I told her when we were talking, I was like, I mean, my husband picked out our china on our registry, <laughs> like when we were engaged, <laughs> that was just my story. And so I love that that she found her voice. And like we were saying, there's so many women that can relate to this that feel like you need to be a certain person. You need to act a certain way for each individual to the point that you don't know who you are anymore. You don't know what you want. You don't know what you need because you're always just trying to to Please serve to others. others. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Yes. And well, right. and, and, and you know what, that's a great word because we wrap it up in serving because yeah, right. we're called to serve. We want to be the good girls. We want to be the good Christians because we're called to serve. But really when she said getting to know herself more, you know, we, we need to know ourselves more and, and but the what Lord that, wants us to do that.
2: And that what that leads to is when we are really seeking that communities so who are saying yes to everything for approval, we're looking, we're lonely, but mm-hmm. what we're really lonely for is God, and she uh-huh. really goes into that. It's so good,
1: and yeah. and you know we we are reminded through her story that God created us for community. We talk about that all the time. It's really uh-huh. what the base of storytellers is about. But you know she she was saying that she finally found this heart group where she could share her feelings with them. But then um, she went you know back to the counselor, and the counselor was telling her you know you need to be still and let God fill you. Yeah, so it's almost like when she had her group where she could. Open up and be vulnerable, and then she filtered all of that through being with God and being in His Word. That's really where she found her confidence. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's a reminder, I think, to all of us the importance of of community and the importance of being in in His Word and filtering our feelings through that.
3: Well, and also as women, knowing that it's okay to sit. You know, she did say, "Sit and let the Lord fill you." It's almost like we have the shame of sitting. If we as women are not doing and performing and producing, you know, some types, some personalities, you don't Mm -hmm. feel like it's okay to sit in the Lord and and just have a little downtime. Praise Jesus. We've all had a lot of downtime lately, and I think we've all benefited from it.
0: You know, I love when she finds, when she finds her voice, when she sits with the Lord like that, it's when you realize who you are and what he created you for. I mean, mm-hmm. I laughed so hard that she joined the choir, you know, but yeah, it's <laughs> like she found something that was hers. And I think mm-hmm. when we can sit and say, Lord, who did you make me to be? Not who do I need to be for other people, but we're all uniquely designed to be us. But if we That's don't right. know who we are designed to be,
3: we're lost. Hey, and as the mamaw in the group, let me just tell our (laughs) our younger friends out there that find something that is yours. Find something that speaks to your strengths and who you are uniquely made to be. And that is okay. Mm
0: -hmm. It's back when Storyteller started, that was really one of my my main things is when we know, when we hear and we meet Jesus in a new way, and we know we are loved by him, we can sit and we can rest in that. And then we begin to trust who he made us to be, you okay. know, and it's a weird journey to think that you're coming from a story to get there, but it's what he does. And it's what he did in her story is
3: mm-hmm.
0: from Absolutely. Just, just being a, a wife and mom, quote
3: unquote, to, to finding her purpose and her voice. I think a friend, I can't remember where I heard this uh, at, at one time, but it said, you know, it, uh, as women, we need to get out from under the pile of should. Right. Like she, okay. she had a lot of that's piles good. of should, should in yeah, her life. Yeah. And, really and so, good. you know, a lot of times we get sucked into what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we got to be free from that. Well, one of the things that we keep talking
1: about is this this concept of community and just filtering our feelings through God's word. And I'm just so excited to announce that uh, we have all been just working hard on a new Bible study series that's going to be coming out called Discover Your Story. And you're going to be going through eight messages of hope. You're going to be able to um, do this with a small group and really open up and create community um, in your area. And then in addition to doing community in your area, you're also able to just have some personal reflection with God through the messages of hope. And then in the end, you're able to really write your story um, after you listen through other people's stories. So anyway, it is called Discover Your Story and you can find it uh, information on it on our website. I think Robin's going to give us some information about that, but be on the lookout for it because we're super excited about it.
0: We are. Y'all are going to um, start to hear us talk about it nonstop because we are so excited so please follow us online because that is going to be where this comes from we definitely want you on our email list because that will be the first place this goes out and so if you are not on our email list please go to storytellerslive.org and sign up and then make sure that you're following us on social media on storytellers live podcast on instagram and facebook and i promise you you won't be able to miss it (laughs) if you follow us in all those places you will know when our um, Bible study is available. And right now we are releasing the first one and we are working on ones that are coming soon. So look for Discover Your Story. Again, you'll go through eight podcasts um, and Katie has written an amazing Bible study around each of those and we're so excited. So thanks for joining us today and we wanna encourage y'all to, to find your community. Start thinking about this and, and find some people that you can go through it with. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.